Good morning, everyone. I am Reverend Wendy Silvers, and you have arrived at the Awakened Mother Show. These are uncensored, raw, and unfiltered, really heart-to-heart -heart dialogues with other moms, dads, scientists, professionals. Today, we're meeting an incredible executive chef and regenerative farmer. These are dialogues that are meant to uplift, inform, and inspire you to step into your own power as a mother, as a change maker, as a citizen of the world. And I'm so happy that you're here. Please subscribe, share, be with us. We are live on Wednesdays. And if you would just let me know if you can um, hear me by a thumbs up. I have, a, I have a, a new microphone that I am using. And if you could just give me a, a thumbs up, that would be so great. I would really love to hear that um, before we proceed. And going forward, moving forward, I'm really, really happy to share with you today a woman that I had the, the pleasure of meeting several years ago. And I met her in Los Angeles. And she is a mama and she's a wife. She is the executive chef and founder of the Sage Plant-Based Bistro in Los Angeles. It is such a favorite restaurant among people that are really conscious about food and the land. Um, Molly Engelhart was raised vegan on a small farm in upstate New York. Her upbringing inspired a love for gardening, foodscaping, and cooking from scratch. After years of success in the restaurant industry, Molly and her husband, Elias, decided to take their commitment a step further and started an organic regenerative farm, So a Heart, in nearby Fillmore, California. They now grow a variety of produce for their restaurants while returning food scraps back to the farm to turn into compost, keeping them from landfills. She continues to strive for better practices in the food industry, as well as advocating for those who grow and harvest America's food and is expanding her reach with a 200-acre regenerative ranch in the Texas Hill Country. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You can subscribe to Molly's CSA program and get healthy produce delivered to your door in the greater Los Angeles area. So please put your hands together and open your ears and your mind and your heart and help me welcome Molly to the stage. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for welcoming me. Um, I'm honored to be on your show again. I think the last time was like, in the back office at the restaurant, like in a corner, uh, I was on with um, Del Big Tree's wife and some other yes. people we were talking. Um, but that was a long time ago. So thank you for having me again. Um, I'm so honored to be here. Well, I really am so happy that you're here and I have followed you. I love the food at Sage, number one. And uh, and I love what you are about, that you're hard, you, you are somebody whose words and actions match. And for me, that is such a guideline for who a person is, because lots of people talk, you know, myself, I, you know, I've been, I've done that, you know, in the past where I'll say something, but, but what I see is there's such um, an intersection between what you say and what you do, like you are living what you say. 
Yes, my husband gets very frustrated sometimes. He says, does everything have to be fully in aligned with God and the creator and nature? Like, can we just sometimes do something because it seems like it's a good financial opportunity? And I'm like, uh. um, yeah. so yes, I, I am. I always ask, what would love do? What would God do, you know, when making choices and always try to be the best cell in the body if we're all a cell in the one body of the universe <laughs> or God, we don't want to be a cancer cell. We want to be like the healthiest thriving yes. cell supporting all the other cells. And so I, I say this a lot and that's like kind of the context in which I live my life. How can I be the best cell in the body? Mm, that is such a, that's like a, you know, that's like a tweetable statement. Like that's a, you know, like how can I be the best cell in the body of humanity? How can I be that place? Because we know it's just like seeds. When you plant the seeds in the soil, each seed affects the other seeds. So it's not like, oh, it's just this one seed over here. It's all the, it's the land. No, they all communicate. And that's how all we, all of us are. We are all a network of conversations in which we live inside of. And mm -hmm. so it's so important for us to have conversations with people, even people that we don't agree with. And remember that every conversation that we have has a ripple effect that we might not be able to see. An example I like to use is there's a Graham State TED Talk, which inspired my brother to start Kiss the Ground, which now think about 5 million people watch that film on um, on Netflix and, you know, all these farmers transitioned and thousands and million acres and in front of Congress and everything like so much came from that. My brother being inspired by that one TED talk. I got this farm and realized that food waste in the restaurants was really important from that one TED talk. And it woke up my mind that like, oh, it's not just like one way of healthy eating. Like veganism is not the answer. Like there's so many pathways mm. to conscious eating and transforming our world through food. And so just that one TED talk, and that's just two people in my family, think about the ripple effect. And so we don't know, but every conversation we have, there's a ripple effect and we um, need to remember that. And so that who we're being in each moment is someone that's causing that ripple effect in a positive way because we're causing it no matter what. That's so well said. And who is the TED Talk that you're referring to? His name is Graham Sate. He's a soil scientist um, from, I think he's from Australia or New Zealand, but um, mm -hmm. it's definitely, I think it's 2013, his TED Talk. Definitely watch worth watching. Thank you. I'll make sure that that's in the liner notes so people can that's watch so it. And I love that your brother, both you and your brother are so conscious. I mean, that is, it's, I mean, were your parents like that? Is that, do you think it rubbed, do you think it was because of, was it, was it in reaction to your family? You know how kids are usually in alignment or in reaction? Uh, we're in alignment. Um, my mother's okay. an ayahuasca shaman in Hawaii on Maui. And my father started Cafe Gratitude. Uh, and... Um, Tiercy right? is my stepmom. Yeah, Tiercy yes. is my stepmom. Um, and so, and my dad writes books on sacred commerce and how to have a win-win-win, um, and how to be in the flow of abundance. 
Um, so yes, there's no escaping in my family. Sometimes people will be like, oh, I didn't talk to my brother for, and I'm like, oh my God, that would so not go over in my family. The people will be all over you. Like, uh, there's an incompletion is what, let's get this. Okay. Can you see it from their perspective? There's no space for, um, incompletion in our family. So yeah, no, I grew up, it's not a reaction to it's, it's an, it's, uh, either it's an it's because of or we chose them who knows like I could have this yeah. may be the path that I chose um and so I chose my mom and my dad um on you know a spiritual level before I even got here we don't know for sure we can only speculate um yeah. so but it's, it definitely is an alignment I have very um spiritually awake parents and my mother is way deeper down the rabbit hole than any of us probably. So, um, yeah, so I grew up in that. Um, and I think I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I grew up in the conversation of questioning, uh, authority, questioning the government, questioning, um, and, and being willing to change. I used to be annoyed with my dad be like, Oh my God, he's into raw food. And now everything is raw food. And then he's like, Oh, actually I think lamb is a, is a superfood. And you're like, what happened dad? But I, I think that he's, he's passionate about whatever he's doing. And I think he realizes that wisdom is to follow something fully as it aligns with you. And when you learn something that, that shows you something different is to be able to adjust to that new wisdom. And that is wisdom. It isn't to be stuck or fixed in one viewpoint as the viewpoint forever. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had, um, a really great examples of that in my um, in my family, both pivoting around business and about spiritual views and food views and all of that. So um, I, I'm grateful for the family I grew up inside of and still have. And I, you know, through COVID, so many people felt so alone, and I was blessed to be in a whole community of people that felt the same as I did, or at least in front of me felt the same way as I did. I love that. I, I actually didn't know that about you. So that's like, what do you, what do you not know about Molly? What do, you, what do you not know? But that's remarkable. And what a wonderful environment. I mean, not always easy or comfortable as you referenced, but how wonderful to have that being modeled as, as a, as a child growing up instead of the status quo of do what you're told draw in, you know, don't draw outside of the lines. Don't try something. Don't question, fall in line. You had the opposite. Yes. And, and also made me, I don't not make me, nobody can make you feel something gave me, um, the space and always had me feel that what I had to say was important. And I think that that's also really important. Even if, if kids know what their voice has to say is important, then they will grow up to be adults that know that their voice is important. Um, oh and gosh. so I definitely had that um, from my family. And a lot of a lot of energy was spent on self-help, I guess, for a lack of a better term, um, from a very young age. So there was a lot of work done in the household on feelings uh, being not something that should be decision made should not have anything to do with decision making they're gonna they're like a storm they're gonna blow through and that they don't mean very much they're just 
what you're feeling. And it doesn't mean they're not valid or invalid. It's not really matter. They're just weather uh, moving through. And so sometimes when I look at the, how the world is now and we're giving so much credence to feelings and, you know, I had to dig in, like maybe the way I was raised was not correct. Like is giving so much credence to feelings valuable or important? And I don't think it is. <laughs> upon reflecting, I, I think, because feelings are always going to change and feelings are always going to be bigger and smaller. And if you're a man, your feelings are going to go with your hormonal cycle, which would be daily. And if you're a woman, your hormonal cycle is monthly and feelings we could feel more strongly based on these changes in your body. And so you don't want to make big decisions based on your feelings because they're not going to be consistent or be the same all the time. And so I like to make decisions based on my commitments um, rather than my feelings. And I think that Ooh. that is important. It's interesting because there's a difference between uh, when I hear you talk about it, I think about emotions and I think about mm -hmm. feelings. And I also think about intuition because I believe that the way that we we feel we feel our intuition I, there's that you know that there's different clairs and one of the clairs is clairsentience which is is clear feeling clear sensing and mm -hmm. so and i'm 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 pointing you can't see it but i'm so right sternum in my solar plexus where which is where your intuition often lies that's where you get those those senses and you have this okay i can't give you a logical reason for why we need to turn down the other block instead of this block but i'm saying we need to do that and and i'm uh, not that i would refer to that as like guttural instinct and i'm big on that i'm not that's not what i'm saying like no i know i was I feel afraid yeah. you know i don't it feel it feels scary to move to texas it feels scary to leave yes. my my community does that mean i shouldn't do it or uh, and no my guttural my that intuition is is saying yes but my feelings are, are afraid or oh. sad or you know having those kind of feelings and I just have to let those kind of that weather move through um, and continue with what I believe I'm being led to do. I agree with you completely. In human design, which I'm not, I'm not an, uh, you know, an expert in, but there's different human design types. And actually one of the human design types, it is, um, it is encouraged that before one makes a decision, they allow the wave, which is what you're talking about, that wave to go through like, oh my gosh, I feel really scared. Well, of course you're going to feel scared. Your roots are here. It makes sense. It's, you know, it makes sense that you're questioning whether this is the right move. And at the same time, there's that part of you that you feel is guiding you in this direction. So it's that you know, it's that balancing act of honoring both. And, and the, when people are, when people are run purely by that emotional train, I think it leads to um, difficult situations and, but not acknowledging what's coming up also is not acknowledging part of you because 
you're, you may feel grief. You may like grief may come up for you. Wow. You know, I'm taking my kids, my husband, we're all, you know, I've been here well, for so long. Comes up every day I walk around my farm and see this beautiful place I built. I see the olive trees dripping with olives and the avocado trees dripping oh. with avocados and 18 inches of beautiful black soil that I created from wow. a dust bowl. And I weep for that. I weep for the future I thought I could have in California and yes. I'm brokenhearted and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm making the wrong decision. Exactly. It doesn't. Both can be. Every held. time I think, oh, maybe I should stay in California. Something pushes, something comes up in the, in the space and reminds me that I've made, I'm making the right decision. Absolutely. I, I really honor that. And I, I also, I love what you were saying, going back a little bit about the feelings piece. And I, and I, I feel, I feel, you know, it's my, um, in my listening to what's happened in the world, I find that people have made this knee jerk reaction to other people and they, they don't want to work through their own discomfort. They want to block, they want to cancel, they want to condemn, they want to do all the things that are the antithesis of working something through. And I believe every child and every adult wants to feel powerful. They want to feel accepted. They want to feel important. Yeah, for sure. Everybody you know, wants Exactly. And we start with the little ones. We want to change the world. We get to do that by changing how we treat the children and the inner children. Are like you you grew up in a home that was built on transformation, it sounds like a lot of, you know, human evolution and transformation. And so, you know, that's got its own, you know, culture. And yet, mm -hmm. you know, you are an original thinker, which is one of the greatest gifts you can give a child is to not only be an original thinker, but to trust it. For sure. And I see, I have that own battle with myself. The other day, my kid is screaming no at me. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, I, I want that passion and that resistance. And I want him to put the cat down because he's hurting him. <laughs> <Don't get that. laughs> right? like, so it's like, I, I, I want my, my, my three-year-old, he is a, a warrior just, uh, and the big kids, even the eight-year-old are scared of him. And, and I don't want to have that warrior go out of him. He was born in the number book. He's born on the day of the liberator. Like we may need him. Like I want that in him. I want that fire in him. And I need him to be able to function in the household. Right. So I'm always trying to balance these two things and trying to remind him is like that power is to protect the family and not to be used on the family. Right. You know, like I'm <laughs> always trying to have him see that. But I do think that we have to look at each child and see how we can bring them up and not try to make them fit into a cookie cutter or make their gifts get crushed out of them at a young age. But how do we cultivate those gifts to be used in such a way that's powerful for them, for their life, for their future. And Amen. so that's, um, that's my journey with my three-year-old right now. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, 
It's beautiful. I, I, I so love that because, you know, it's a joke. There's a joke that I've told, but if you raise empowered children, mm -hmm. then be prepared for them being empowered. And how do you support them? Like what you're saying, like, how do you support your little warrior in, in being fully himself, but being part of the family, right? Cause yeah. that's, that's, it's important. It's an important piece for your peace of mind, for the other kids, for your baby and your husband. And so it's that dance. It is. It is a dance. And uh, but I and I trust the process and I trust that he chose us and we're we're what's you know, and I try to trust even when my husband and I have different ideas about parenting. Think about my husband grew up in three block walls with a tin roof or actually a thatch roof. Uh, it, he got a tin roof once he moved to America and sent money back, but a thatch roof and no toilet, no electricity, no running water. And now he's raising kids in America with some resources and it it's challenging. It's a, it, so he and I have different ideas about what's important. You know, his, his ideas are very survival kind of, um, based and my ideas are more about feelings but like they're the whole being and the whole being being able to uh thrive in the world and i believe that where my power comes from is being able to manage my feelings being able to manage the no being able to manage mm -hmm. the the no and not make it mean anything and be able to take the next step in the face of no agreement, take the next step in the face of no agreement. And so what's important to me, and he's like, they need to be able to machete something, you know, like his, it's all survival. And I have to trust that my children came to this combination and that this combination is what is perfect for them. Uh, and so that is, you know, part of the parenting journey. And I would say that the, the younger, more, indoctrinated version of myself maybe would have resisted my husband's mm -hmm. way of parenting and would have been trying to control every part of the parenting and in that kind of new wave feminism i don't need a man like i could do it but i recognize that there's value in both the masculine and the feminine and i recognize that i exist in the masculine a lot and it's practice for me to be in the feminine and part of practicing being in the feminine is letting my husband not letting my husband having his role in the space and so okay. these are all things that the 25 35 even year old version of myself would not be able to see i just would have been like this is ridiculous and upon reflecting i realize what my husband brings is solely different than what I bring and equally as important. And, you know, people love to talk about like, what is it like toxic masculinity? And I like joking because like, go have a farm, go have a flood on your farm, go have a hurricane come with no toxic masculinity. You're going to be shit out of luck. Like I, we had 18 inches of water running across our whole farm in January. I mean, crazy fences taken out, irrigation taken out, electricity taken out. And I remember my husband is with the tractor trying to hold the propane tank in place wow. so that the kids can still take a hot bath later that night. 
and he's got the tractor up in the water and I'm like, babe, watch out, watch out. You're hitting the mulberry tree. And he says, Kayate. And I had, uh, uh, this girl was trading to work for me that day. And she happened to be there and she's like, oh my God, that was such toxic masculinity. And I was like, he didn't need to say Kayate to me in that moment, but he's literally having a tank that could explode. He's <laughs> it's getting pulled down the driveway. He's and I'm worried about the mulberry tree, which is a very feminine like way to be looking at it. He's tearing right. up the lawn basically. And I'm like, be careful of my tree I planted right there, right? And so <laughs> I have, I looked at her and I said, for sure in this moment we want toxic and I put in quotation marks for those of you guys listening on some you podcast channel you can't see about putting yeah. like yeah. it's not toxic like you want a man that can tap into that like uh, in the moment where your propane tank that you're going to need to cook and for your children because the power is already out and make a hot bath for your children is about to float down the driveway you want <laughs> the man who's going to jump in front of it with a tractor and chain it to the tractor and so it doesn't move right like that's what you actually want and so i think that in my parenting and this in my role as a mother i've learned to be a wife and that sounds crazy mm -hmm. because you should learn to be a wife first or whatever but my husband jokes and he speaks english as a second language so his distinctions in english are not quite as clear but he always jokes he says I married a very liberal woman. She was a terrible wife. Um, I'm no, he says, my first wife was a liberal woman. She was a terrible wife. My second wife is a conservative woman. She's an amazing wife and mother. He's only been married one time. He's literally right. talking about the transformation of moving away from that kind of new wave feminism. I mean, I'm a executive chef. I run restaurants. I have 350 employees. Like I am that like, badass boss bitch like energy right like that's it but that's not a wife energy and it's not an ideal mother energy and i had to learn that and i had to surrender to marriage i had to surrender mm -hmm. to motherhood and i said this a while ago was not a popular opinion but literally being a mother, like think about, it. I wake up in the morning, I'm breastfeeding, I'm wiping butts, I'm the diaper throwing the thing, I'm like stumbling. And before I have had coffee, I might've wiped two butts, changed a diaper, had my boob in the baby's mouth and maybe snuck in the other room and gave my husband a quickie. None of which was really about me. Like I just want to get to my coffee, right? And so, <laughs> so this idea where we're just like chanting my body, my choice at children and at teenagers and adults, it's not actually preparing us for being mothers. Cause there's like literally nothing about motherhood that has anything to do with my body, my choice. Like <laughs> I've been breastfeeding for 10, nine years. I've had a baby every two years. Right. And my son will be nine. And in December, I'll have breastfed for nine years consecutively because that's what there is to do. That's the best way to set up their microbiology and all of their stuff. So, and I'm not trying to get political one way or another about my body by choice, but what I'm saying is that there is a surrender in motherhood that has nothing to do with that. Yes, and There's a beauty in that surrender and it is more fulfilling than making a million dollars. It is more fulfilling than opening a business, creating something from nothing. It is the most fulfilling Thing because it's what we were designed to do. 
And as long as we resist the unchosen roles of womanhood, there will be some sense of misery and sadness that we won't be able to fill. And by surrendering to the unchosen roles of womanhood, there's a fulfillment that can't be filled by anything else. In my opinion, Ooh. my opinion, not like the truth. That is so exquisite. I, everybody who's listening or if you're watching us, that was some powerful wisdom just laid out. So take a minute, take a breath, like take <laughs> replay that because that's really, I mean, what you spoke to is so true. And even if you haven't birthed a child, like I still believe it's mothers <laughs> that are birthing babies. But if you are an adoptee, you know, you're an adopted parent or you are a foster parent, lean into that wisdom that Molly just shared about how it reshapes you from the inside out, your chemistry, your outlook. I mean, I love what you just shared. I mean, God, Molly, that is so true. It's so true. And I'm a different person than I was five years ago yeah. and six years ago and 10 years ago. And, and that is okay. It is, it is okay to be different than you were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have to give ourselves the space in this world to change. Um, and we can't be trapped by the view we had of ourselves when we were 18, when we were 25, when we, we have to be willing to have our lived experience inform who we are today. And I often see people that can't quite match their lived experience with some ideas that they formed about who they were a long time ago. And those ideas may have served them at that time, yeah. but they do yeah. not serve them anymore, but they can't reconcile that. And that is partially because the world has become so divisive. Oh. That even my idea that I said, my body, my choice, like someone's going to be like, she's a far right extremist, <laughs> um, Bible thumping, you know, whatever they're going to say about right. me. And I'm literally just saying that that chant doesn't serve women. And, and that's, and I'm saying it doesn't serve us in motherhood. And so many women will become mothers. Um, and it's the greatest gift of womanhood. It is the greatest gift of I, womanhood. And, you know, Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, you're speaking my heart because I often talk about how I, like people have said to me, how did, how did you come to do the work you do? And I'm like, it chose me. Like, it wasn't like I sat down with a pad and I visioned, you know, I do the life visioning process that Michael Beck, Beck with teaches. And before that it was just, you know, sitting in the stillness and how, you know, I didn't sit down and go, okay, so what's my business plan? I'm going to, you know, which I'm not putting down business plans, but it was just, I really felt like my life would not be complete if I did not experience the motherhood. Now I have great empathy for women that are, that aren't mothers that really wanted to be mothers. So I'm not, I have so much empathy, so and, much empathy, but, but I also want to say that the, that that's part of that new wave feminism where we're we're taking that away from women and we don't even recognize what wound we're leaving. We're having mm -hmm. women focus on 
we're having women focus on their career, focus on being independent, being not needing a man, and all of these things that may add up to being 35, 37, and not married, and not any chance of having children. And I want to say that I think that's a travesty. I think that we have to value the path of motherhood as much as we value any other path Great. or more. Because I was 30 six years old, divorced, no children, two, two restaurants, um, money, uh, you know, stability. And I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like when you talk about that guttural and I'm a master manifester, like I don't know how, I don't know what, whatever my brain waves that I came into this world with, like that's <laughs> something that I have a skill set around. Your frequency. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I just thought, I don't, I always thought I'll adopt it. Uh, it's not a big deal. Bah, 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 bah. And uh, let me back up a minute. So I, I, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I want children. I want mm -hmm children. And I started speaking, I want children out of my mouth. And I didn't have, I didn't have a boyfriend. I was divorced. I, uh, and back up in my early thirties, my dad had a mushroom ceremony to bless his land in Vacaville. And I went up there and there was a grandmother from Mexico that was there um, performing the ceremony. And I was, you know, being the good daughter, I came up, I was there and I drank the tea and I had had um, abortion, two abortions in my early twenties that I never thought about again, treated them like a root canal. Like it was the hundred percent, like NBD, no big deal, root canal. And I had not thought about them again. Mm -hmm. And I never was like, oh, I could have had a baby at this age. Never thought about it again, just out of my mind. In this mushroom tea journey, the divine feminine God, I don't know what it was, came to me and said, you made a choice that was not yours to make. And I was super resistant. Like, this is like the liberalist version of myself, like 30 years old, like, how dare you? <laughs> like, completely upset. And I don't know if anybody's ever done mushrooms, but the more you resist whatever the lesson in, whether it's mushrooms or ayahuasca, the more you resist the plant medicine's lesson, the darker and harder it can get in the journey. Mm. And mm. so it was just like, and I was like, I'm not going to be pro-life, uh, like just resisting. And then I could see my uncle in real life. He was probably just walking across the field, but he was turning he was like getting older and turning into an old man, into a fetus, into a egg, and then back into a fetus and into a thing and growing into a young man. And then, a, and it was, and it was like, it's not your choice to make it. The voice, and the voice was in the most unconditional love, like the most powerful, unconditional love I've experienced in my life. No judgment, no making me wrong, just you made a choice that was not yours to make. And can you commit to never making that choice again? And I wouldn't commit it. I wouldn't, I was resisting and I was, Rah! and 
making that mean all types of stuff about what kind of people and all this stuff, right? And this is, you know, 15 years ago now. It was my early 30s. Finally, I just took in a deep breath and said, okay, I promise I'll never make that choice again. And then the voice asked me and never support anybody else in making that choice financially, emotionally, give your view, give your voice to that, a different possibility. And I said, yes. And I distinctly remember saying, but I'm not going to be outside of Planned Parenthood <laughs> in my head. Like, I'm not going to be like this. I'm not. And I was like, and, and the voice was like, all I'm asking is that you don't make this choice again. Fast forward. I'm 36 years old. I'm divorced. I'm have uh, just broke up with my boyfriend and I'm working in the restaurant. Culver City just got open. My ex-husband comes in. He's going through a bad time. He'd been drinking. He's now sober for a lot of years, I think 15 or 12 or whatever. A lot of years now he's been sober. But my ex-husband comes in, an argument happens, like <laughs> in the restaurant, brand new restaurant, in front of guests. I'm in the back, I'm in the kitchen, I'm crying. And one of my employees brings me a margarita. And I don't drink. I rarely drink. And he says, just drink this. You'll feel better. I drink two margaritas. Then he offers to drive me home. And then I sleep with this employee who does not speak English and is 13 years younger than me. And I then the next morning, I tell him, please don't ever tell anybody this happened. This is, a, you know, a, sexual harassment, I'm sure. Please, <laughs> please, it's never happened. Like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. You go back to your life. We'll just pretend this never happened. Never happened. <laughs> and two weeks later, I'm pregnant. Uh, and I am set to think what I want to do is terminate it. And I have that guttural instinct feeling, not a feeling like I'm sad, but like you cannot, you promised God. And even if it was just a hallucination, you promised God, like you believe you could try to convince yourself it was a hallucination now, but at the time you believed it was God and you promised God and you can't go against God. And I knew that. So I went and I told him, we got to yeah. get married. He said, what? I said, we got to <laughs> get married. I'm pregnant. And he said, like translating through Google Translate on our phone, are you sure? Like, should I, I break up with my girlfriend? Like a whole mess, right? And so we get married. And this is 10 years ago or whatever. And that we got, I found out I was pregnant in late no October we got married on Thanksgiving because the restaurant was closed and we could use the leftover <laughs> leftover um, catering food for to feed everybody. We got married in our backyard. Nobody thought it was going to work. Everyone, including, you know, people that were being very hopeful, did not think that it was going to work. And in January, I lost that baby. And we were already married and people were like, oh, my God, thank God you can annul the marriage. <laughs> And we were doing a big catering, a big catering for a uh, Indian wedding, but it was not the wedding. It was, oh no, it was not a wedding. It was a 50th wedding anniversary, 50th wedding anniversary for like the matriarch and patriarch of this big Indian family. And we were asked to come out and meet the, the chefs were asked to come out and meet the, or the people asked to meet us. And so we come mm -hmm. outside and someone must have been translating for my husband. I can't remember exactly at this moment, but someone was translating for him. And I asked, so what do you think is the secret 
to 50 years of marriage. This is an accomplishment. I'm divorced and married again. Like, what is the accomplishment? And they said, <laughs> it is 100% that we are not looking backwards. We're always looking forward. We were an arranged marriage. We didn't know each other. We got married and everything we have, we've built together. And so we are never looking back to when you used to be so romantic or when I used to want to have sex with you every day. And now I don't like, it's never been looking back. It's always been looking forward. And so when we got home, my husband texted me because we were text communicating because of the language barrier. And he said, maybe the baby arranged our marriage. And we, from that moment, decided to be married and decided to build something together and build a family and build a business mm -hmm. and build a life together. And we are very much in love more than most of the people that I know. I feel super grateful for that. And it's all built on our commitment to make it work mm. and not built on kind of what many relationships are built on, like the emotion and the hormonal responses to each other. And I feel entirely blessed and grateful that I did that work mm. because I could have just been 45 right now with no husband and no children and restaurants. And that's it. Like that could be, that could have been my life so easily. And I'm just so grateful to be doing the work. Mm, that's beautiful. That Every is so day. profound, Molly. Wow. So that's how I became pro-life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I understand. I, 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 that makes sense. I mean, that was a really <laughs> profound experience. And now I have four children and I'm in a beautiful marriage and a beautiful farm and a beautiful life that I would not have had. Like the version of me prior to that mushroom journey would have been like, ooh, that was a mistake. And then it would have been done. And then who knows what my life would have been. Wow, so fascinating to me about choices. It's so fascinating to me about what presents in our lives and what we do with that. Because you could have, oh, that was just, that was just a trip. I was just hallucinating. And, you know, I don't really, there are people that will, you know, try and manipulate what they, what their commitment was into serving their what agenda. Their ego or yeah, what they want. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that if you're open to receiving, there's so much blessings always being handed, but they don't always look the way you think they're going to look. They don't come in the package. Um, that you thought they were going to come in. Like my husband didn't speak English. Like there was things that could have been um, barriers to what some, oh, I want someone, so many women want someone who makes more money than them. And well, that I, I can understand that desire, but also if you spend your whole life having a career and being super committed to making money maybe you need someone who's going to balance you in a different way. I don't know. Right. Like, I, I don't right. know what I'm saying. Right. And so we have to realize that uh, the package that we envision might not be the package that God has for us. And mm -hmm. how can we 
be open to something different. And Paul, um, you know, another thing about this is I make up that my adopted son is one of the soul or the soul that I uh, aborted when I was 20 years old. Now, that's a made up story that I've empowered, but he came all the way here from Guatemala to be reunited with his parents and it didn't work out. And then he got very sick when he was eating American food here and he found Mark Hyman on the internet and Mark Hyman talked about regenerative agriculture, which had him find me on Instagram and YouTube. And he felt completely connected to me. He didn't know why. And oh. he borrowed money and took an Uber here and showed up here to volunteer, which is when he was still in high school, when he was 17, and we adopted him. And now he's my son. And um, now that might not be true, but... I do believe that we were connected. There was a reason I felt a maternal love for him and pride of him from the moment that I saw him, even though I had nothing to do with him. I didn't, I didn't birth him. I did it, you know, nothing. Um, and now he lives with us. He's moving to Texas with us and he's going to be able to get his papers because now we're his parents and all of that. We went to court and we did all of that. And Maybe it's not true. Maybe that's a fantasy that I make up. Either way, I have an extraordinarily fit. Uh, I have an extraordinary fifth child that's completely loving and supporting our family, and we're mm. loving and supporting him. What a vision! What a beautiful vision for a life. It's so there's so many things to unpack from what you said, and I and I want to honor the the time that we have, and. I want to invite you back to have more of a conversation <laughs> about, about this because what you're talking about is really surrendering the ego's attachment to life looking the way I think it should be. And, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation about the termination. I think that's such a, that's such a tricky, such a slippery slope because some people think of abortion is birth control. And some people, you know, there's certain situations where terminating it, you know, even though it's like, I think one of the hardest decisions a woman could ever make, it, it could be something that really is in that situation, a wise choice, but it's a hard choice. It's a really, really hard choice. And then to, to have a relationship with your husband that is so beautiful. And I think, um, I think often about that whole idea, like you came to your husband in a very different way that a lot of women may in terms of you weren't looking for your husband to complete you or to support you or to do all of the things that so many women do. And yet what he softened so. you, right, what softened you was the surrender into motherhood, the surrender into, I have a lot of this, I have a lot of the bells and whistles over here, but I don't have that. And look at how it's showing up. And I'm going to commit to this because we know I've been with my husband. Um, I've, I've been with him for 27 years. We'll be married for 24. And I know from lived experience that day in and day out, it, it's, it's, you know, there are days where it's like, ah, and then there's days where it's like, ah, you know, and sometimes it could be in the same day 
where, yep. where that happens. And so it is a commitment to, to put aside those, um, those needs that, that desire to get your instant gratification and to look at a bigger vision for your life. What are, what are we creating together? Like you were saying, what would God have me do? What would love have me do in this situation? And it's incredible that you were willing to honor that, to really honor that and honor the commitment that you made in that mushroom trip years before. Like that is really, I mean, that is devotion to a higher, a higher power you know, your connection with the higher power, your respect, your devotion, your, your honoring that there's something greater than you that has, has a plan. But those of us who don't believe there's something greater than us, I think have a void in them. That's a, a universe God size void. And yeah. Buddhism talks about the hungry ghost, that you can't fill that hungry ghost. It's only um, in faith, only in um, surrendering to that higher power. We can, all the Amazon packages in the world will not fill <laughs> that space in our heart. And I, this is something I'm working on in myself is that I notice when things are harder, I pray a lot and I put a lot of attention on God or universe or right. divine intelligence or whatever people, uh, the non-triggering word for whatever you want to be. That is. <laughs> um, I pray a lot when things are hard. Like right now I'm praying a lot, praying every day, praying a lot, meditating a lot. But when things are going well, I tend to get more in the worldly possessions and the stuff and the fit and the vacations and the whatever. And I, I'm currently committed to trying to figure out God. I want stability. Like I don't want there to be these like waves of things that are hard and then easy and then hard and then easy. But I want to remember. God, in those moments when things are good, I want to be just as diligent of putting my attention there. And mm -hmm. I don't want to just be like, oh, time for me to manifest. This is not working over here. I'm going to manifest something else. I pray like that. I And I notice that in myself in full disclosure. Like I notice that. And that's in this transition in what's happening with my businesses in California, suffering and trying to move to Texas. I'm trying to remember that as we move out of this weather, move out of this struggle, that I still want to have the same commitment to having my attention on God. And I don't know what I need to do to do that, but I, that's my commitment. That's what I'm asking for guidance um, right now is that I continue, that I don't have to have hard times to have lots of attention on God. Yes. Well, I'm here for you to support you with that because <laughs> prayer is my sacred medicine. It is, you know, the prayer and meditation. And I often joke that, you know, spiritual practice is not crisis management. And yes. uh, right. And and I'm leading multiple, uh, multiple prayer circles uh, 
every, every day of the week. The only week that we don't have a prayer circle is Saturdays. And so um, I really, I really appreciate, I really appreciate your candor. It's so important for people that are listening and, and watching this to know that this remarkable human being, this woman who said yes on such a deep level is just like you and me, right? We pray, we surrender, and then sometimes we take our will back and then we go, oh, wait a minute, you know, this is not really what I want to do. And, you know, there's this, um, this, uh, this old joke, it's like a parable. So let me see. So this guy, this guy goes to, um, or this one, let's change it. This woman goes to the doctor and says, doctor, I'm praying, I'm, you know, and things are, you know, they're, they're getting better. They're getting better. I don't know what to do. What do you recommend? And the doctor says, pray more. <laughs> you know, it's how do you handle the tough times? A minute at a time. How do you, how do you handle the great times? A minute at a time. Yeah. So, so, and we, we haven't gotten even into regenerative farming or and leaving I'm, California or the lockdowns impacting my business. All the things yeah. we meant to talk about. This was perfect. God, this is really divinely guided. This was a divinely guided and inspired dialogue. What you shared was just so meaningful. And thank you. So we've got to get another one on before you go. I yeah, let's get another stuff. one on the books. Um, can I just um, do one little plug before I leave? Absolutely. I was going to say, how can people reach you and what's um, happening? So a, a couple of things are happening. I'm uh, moving to Texas to 250 acres, like she said in the beginning of um, this. And we're currently raising money. We're almost like ah. more than halfway there. We're doing an on-farm brewery and kombucha um, an event spent a center, a regenerative, you know, it's going to be all on a regenerative agriculture farm. There's 30 tiny houses, a wedding venue, a second event space that could be for Reverend Wendy could do a prayer circle there. We could do yoga <laughs> retreats. We could do all different kinds of retreats. So there's 30 tiny homes and then three bigger homes that could be rented out. So it'll be like capacity of 50 bedrooms when it's finished. Mm. Um, and all of this with wedding venue, on-farm to table restaurant, brewery, um, beautiful wow. event space. So we're building all of this in Texas right now and we're raising the money. So if and there's anybody out there that feels inspired by um, what I'm doing and what I'm up to in the world, this is a way that you could get involved. Um, and it's an awesome business because it has a multiple different revenue streams. So there's the, the, the farm stays, there's the food aspect and there's the beer and kombucha aspect. And so there's multiple different um, revenue streams. So that is one thing. And we're having our first event there. So if you're just interested in coming and hanging out with me and a bunch of Dr. Andy Kaufman and Alex Zek and um, who else is Eileen McCusack, Willie, Mickey Willis, um, a bunch of us are going to be there talking about everything from regenerative agriculture to terrain theory to the illusion of authority. Um, all different kinds of Luke Story is going to be there. You know, uh, Jess Magic is going to do a lead um, choir singing with all of us. Just like a lot of really awesome stuff. Mike Winter is going to be there talking about cryptocurrency. So really great lineup. It's called Confluence. And that is Under the Eclipse. We're having an eclipse 
uh, the farm is right under the eclipse. So October 12th through the 15th, um, Confluence. Um, and if you want um, to join us for that, we'd love to have you. Um, and it's confluence2023.com where you can go buy your ticket. And my last name, 10 for 10% off, Englehart 10. Um, so both of those things I just wanted to make you guys aware of. And if you're in the LA area, as always, please support Sage and, um, and or if you want to get a veggie box from the farm. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm Chef Molly and Soa Heart Farm, Sovereignty Ranch and Confluence underscore TX. So that was a lot of information, but I hope to connect with you guys more. And Wendy, I would love to be back on um, and talk about the things that we meant to talk about today. I would, yes. Um, yes. That would be excellent. Uh, well, thank you for connecting with me and reaching out to me. And um, it was really nice to connect in this last minute way. And I just feel um, so honored to have had this conversation with you today. Thank you so much. Well, I'm just thrilled and I'm so glad that you were here and I'm so glad that everybody showed up to support this and continue to like and subscribe the Awakened Mother Show. And there's lots happening. I'm, I have a five day challenge coming up that I'll share more about with you and please support Molly and this, all of this will be in the show notes so that you can stay connected to her and go to Texas and um, have an opportunity to, to really live your life aligned to a divine principle that is really ordering your steps. You have that opportunity to shift and to really be in alignment. And as I always say at the end of every show, you are powerful beyond measure, loved beyond description, and a force for good in the world. So go forth and spread your magic and spread your love. Peace and many blessings. Thank you. Thank you.